Let us pray. Father, I thank you again for your word. And I ask you to be with us as we think about what you've done and you've revealed to us through your word. Give us ears to hear what you'd have us to hear. May our hearts respond as you would have us to respond, so we may do as you'd have us to do. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. As I just said to the children, this is a great day of celebration. And I am filled with gratitude for what God has done for us on this day. And that's really all I want us to do today. I want us to be grateful. I want us to be truly grateful for what God has done, for the gift He's poured out upon us. And as I've been thinking about it this week and looking at Pentecost as a day of celebration, one of the things I've been grateful for, it's been a blessing to me, is to see how this was not a sort of a, a last-minute gift uh, where God said, ah, what can I give to my people? Oh, yes, I'll pour out my Holy Spirit. He was centuries and millennia in setting this up. He was preparing us the, through Scripture and through His people for this time of the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the church. And so I want to begin today by reflecting on the Jewish roots of the day of Pentecost and what happens on the day of Pentecost as we celebrate it in the Christian church. There were three Old Testament feasts for which all Jewish people, if they could make the trip, were to go to the tabernacle or later to the temple to celebrate these feasts. There were three major feasts that they were all, if they could, to go eventually when Jerusalem became the home of the temple, to go to Jerusalem to celebrate. The first was Passover. They were all to go to Jerusalem for the Passover. The second was called the Feast of Weeks. And the third was the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacle. Both the first and last of these, the Passover and the Feast of Booths, were assigned specific days. Here's the days in the calendar you celebrate these feasts. Uh, Feast of Weeks was not so much assigned a specific day in the calendar as it was defined in relationship to Passover. So instead of saying, here's the day in which you do it, they say, here's the time after Passover that you celebrate the Feast of Weeks. And it was seven weeks after Passover plus one day. So you, you sort of celebrated the Passover for seven weeks, a week of weeks. And the following day after that week of weeks with the 50th day, you would celebrate the Feast of Weeks. It was called, became called in Hebrew, Shavuot, right? which means weeks. So it was defined by its weeks. The Feast of Weeks in its origin was a harvest festival. It was giving thanks to God for His great gift of love and provision for them in the, the reaping of the harvest. Now, it was also associated with the part of the Passover uh, a feast that directly followed Passover was called the Feast of First Fruits. So, right after Passover, you had the Feast of First Fruits, and people would bring grain. They would have the sort of the shocks of wheat that they would wave, and it was an offering for the first grain that was coming, uh, that was growing from their, their fields. And then on the Feast of Weeks, 
50 days later, you would bring loaves of bread. So here in the beginning at Passover, you had the grain. In the completion of this time, you would bring loaves of bread, what you had made from the grain that had grown uh, in celebration of the completion, if you will, of the harvest, which completed in the making of bread for celebration. After the exile and into what is called the Second Temple period, Second Temple actually not being the Zerubbabel's temple, but the temple that Herod built, so around the time of Jesus in the Second Temple period, a, a new tradition began to arise connected with Shavuot. And it became taught, the Jewish teachers and scholars began to teach that the date... The time when Jesus or when God came to meet his people at Sinai was 50 days after the original Passover. So, along with the celebration of the harvest, began to be a celebration of God meeting with his people at Sinai as well to make them his people, to make his covenant with his people. There God descended at Sinai in fire and thunder and made that covenant with his people. There is evidence from the Qumran community. Qumran community is, is a small sect of Jewish people from which we get the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were, were quite famous now. A people a little bit before uh, Jesus' time who were very prolific in writing and keeping the scriptures. They began to refer to this holiday, the Feast of Weeks, as not Shavuot, but Shavuot, which means oaths or vows, remembering the vows that God's people made to God and the vows that God made to His people. And this association grew between Sinai and this Feast of Weeks, um, and eventually it became known as not just the making of the covenant, but the time at which God gave the law and the Torah. To his people. So that there was a, became a great rejoicing, not just about the harvest. That was silly, something to celebrate that God provides and cares for his people through giving them food and the harvest. But if that was a great thing, how much greater a thing that God gave his people the gift of the law of the Torah which feeds us and directs us and guides us and keeps us safe. And so this became a great celebration of the Torah. With the destruction of the temple and the ending of a sort of a um, centralized worship in Jerusalem, the feast celebrating the harvest really dissipated and became, over time, simply and only a celebration of the giving of the Torah, which is largely, as I'm told now, what our Jewish friends celebrate this, at this time. Now, the giving of of the Torah. This holiday, Shavuot, is called in its Greek name Pentecost. And that is this is what was happening at the time in a reading in Acts chapter 2. This was the holiday that's being celebrated in Acts chapter 2 as the disciples in the room received the Holy Spirit and then went out it seems like Peter's sermon probably was at the south steps of the temple as he preached to all the people 
It says the people gathered from all over the world. Why were the people from all over the world coming? Because it's Pentecost. And people were coming to, to celebrate. Now at this time, sort of this, both the harvest and the giving of the Torah at this point uh, at the temple. And now all the world, the Jewish world has gathered and the disciples begin to preach what is happening. The Christian celebration of Pentecost bears relation to both these meanings that we have in its Jewish roots. To both the, the giving of the Torah and the celebration of the harvest. The church, or excuse me, Christ is called the firstfruits. He is the firstfruits raised from the dead. He is the one on this Passover time, during this Passover time, during the time when they would have been celebrating the feast of the firstfruits. He is the one who rose from the dead. And then 50 days later, he gives us Pentecost on the church. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And now he makes a church, not just individual stalks of grain, but a loaf of bread, right? Those grains taken together in the Spirit and made one body together. And we are one, often the bread of the Eucharist that we are about to take. The bread of the Eucharist is taken, St. Augustine did this, and many of the church fathers had said, they take the many grains of wheat and bake them together and make one loaf together, one bread. And that is what the church is seeing when we come and take the Eucharist. And so in Pentecost, we, we celebrate the beginning of the church, the making of us one in one spirit that we have been given. But Pentecost is also a remembrance, again, of the giving of the Torah, the giving of the law, what happened at Mount Sinai. And we see this quite clearly, I believe, in the Christian Pentecost, this day in Acts chapter 2, both in its similarities and its contrasts. In both places, God comes down in fire to make His people His people, to vis visibly show, I am coming down upon you. I am making you my people. At Sinai, He did so in a way which, in some sense, kept His people a little bit at arm's distance. His people would not want to come up to the fire on the mountain. Moses went up. Here at Pentecost, He comes upon them directly. In person, the Holy Spirit is given descend in tongues of flame upon those who are up in the, the room, filling them with Himself. And both are to be seen as a great gift of God's love. Once again, this is, how, this is how the Jewish people saw the coming of the Torah. As God's great gift. It is the gift, the gift He gave to His people was the law. The law that showed them who God was. How were they to know who He was? He gave them the law. How were they to know how they were to live as God's people? He gives them the law. This is an act of incredible love and an incredible gift that He gives to His people. And we are to remember this on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has been given many different names. 
names describing what he does and who he is. Uh, we just, in, in the John 14 passage, we heard spirit of truth, spirit helper, counselor. He's called the spirit of God, the paraclete, the comforter. All these things aptly describe what the spirit does. But since the beginning in the church, there have been two names given to the Holy Spirit that the church says these are primary. These names that we give to the Holy Spirit are His proper names, if you will. Proper descriptions of who He is and what He does in His, in His essence. And those two names have been gift and love. If you want to know how we are to know who the Holy Spirit is, we are to know Him as the gift and we are to know Him as love. From the earliest days, indeed, as I said, the Holy Spirit has been called the gift. Before He left, Jesus promised that He would send His disciples one who would come to reveal who He is. I'm going to send one who will guide you in all truth. I'm not going to leave you helpless. There's a lot that's about to happen that you guys are not going to understand. And you're going to be really confused. Don't worry. I'm going to send someone who's going to explain things to you and who will guide you into a right understanding of who God is because you're going to be confused. And, and the Holy Spirit comes and He does that. He guides the church in truth to know right doctrine, to know who God is, and to help us to know God in a way that humans have not known Him before. And that is an incredible gift. He said He would send a comforter. The disciples would need comfort as Jesus left. They would feel that they would be on their own now. But He says, I will not leave you alone. I will send someone who will be with you. And not only would they be in need of comfort because they would no longer have the physical proximity of Jesus, but because life was going to be difficult. Jesus promises life's going to be tough for you. It's going to be really difficult. But do not worry. As you follow truth and you follow me, as you be faithful, as you deny yourself and take up your cross, there will be someone with you to comfort you. And this is an incredible gift that God gives. He promises to send a paraclete, a counselor, a helper, one who will guide us in wisdom. One who is, as we said last week, the spirit who will transform us from, from glory to glory, bringing us into the very nature of God, transforming us into the likeness of Christ. I will, you cannot do that on your own. I will send one who will do this work in you. And that is an incredible gift. All of these things and more are the gift that Christ gives to His people. It is the gift of God Himself. The Holy Spirit given to each of us individually and together. And it is fitting then that we speak of the gifts of the Spirit. And that is what our 1 Corinthians 12 passage spoke about. The gifts that the gift brings. Making us one. Because if we're going to be one body, we're going to need many of us doing different things. And so I will give you gifts of, of teaching, of, of leadership, 
of healing, of discernment. All of these different gifts come from the one who is the gift. This is what St. Augustine says. He says, through the gift, which is the Holy Spirit, the many particular gifts are parceled out to the members of Christ. And thus Aquinas will say that gift is a proper name of the Holy Spirit. When we think of the Holy Spirit, we are to think of God's gift to us of Himself. But this is only one of the proper names, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. For with gift also comes the name love. Of course, we will say that, as John writes, God is love. All of who God is, is love. And this is true. And of course, this requires that He indeed be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, at least the Trinity, or more than one person, because He eternally lives in a state of love, of one person of the Godhead for the other. And of each of these persons, there are names that might be true, might be true of all of them, but are specifically and aptly given to one. Like the Word, Christ, the Son, is aptly called the Word. It is a name that is applied largely to Him. And so the church taught that from the beginning, the name love, while describing all of God, was aptly given specifically to the Holy Spirit. There is a tradition that may not be universal among the fathers, but was pretty widespread, including names like St. Augustine, Cyril of Alexandria, Gregory the Great, Gregory Palamas, Thomas Aquinas, even down to C.S. Lewis. A tradition that states that the love between the Father and the Son is so intense, so real, that it in itself is the person of the Holy Spirit. That they love each other, in a sense, through the person of the Holy Spirit. That is how intense and real that love is between the Father and the Son. John Paul II put it that the reciprocal love of the Father proceeds in and from, of the Father and the Son proceeds in and from them as a person. The Father and Son spirit, breathe out the spirit of love who is one substance with them. Or 20th century Eastern theologian Sergei Bulgakov said, if God who is the most holy trinity is love, then the Holy Spirit is the love of love. This is a beautiful thing. Because it is not simply something that we are called to look at at a distance and say, oh, that happens out there between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Pentecost, listen, in Pentecost, in this gift He gives us, we are made participants of that very love. We are brought into the love that exists in the Trinity. God says it's not just for us. It's not just for us. I'm making you a part of this great love, this great dance that exists in the Godhead. Romans 5.5 5 said, God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And it's not simply saying 
that God loves us a lot and he takes care of us, which is true. It is saying that the Holy Spirit has been given to us to bring us into the very nature of God. And that is his goal for us, to be with him and in him as he is in us. There could be no greater gift. He's not trying to keep us at an arm's distance. He's saying, what I have, I want you to have as well. I want you to be a part of what I have. I want to give myself to you. We should celebrate that. We should pray that God makes that a reality. Reality in that we, not that it's not real, it is real, but we should be able to enter into the fullness of that. To make that a real part of my waking hours in the day. That that thought is never far from my mind. I have been given the Holy Spirit. I have been given a great gift. I've been brought into the very love of God. What could be more important than that truth? My prayer is that becomes a regular part of my thought, a regular part of my life, so that I am always and ever grateful. How can I be the complaining I'm given to about regular daily life? How small that is compared to the fact that God has given me such a great gift. The gift of himself. And my prayer for myself and for us is that we are truly able to celebrate that fact. To enter into that celebration. And give thanks for the fact that God has been setting this up for millennia. From the very beginning, when he met with his people at Sinai, I think he had, he knew... He's eternal. He knew this is going to happen again. This is going to happen again. And it's going to be even so, such a greater thing than what's happening here at Sinai. And my people can rejoice over what I'm going to give them. Indeed, on Shavuot, our Jewish friends celebrate the gift of the Torah, which reveals God's love. And that is a wonderful thing. But on Pentecost, we celebrate the gift of love, the gift of God himself. Celebrate that with us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.